Prepare foods in more helpful ways. Improve the health of others. Help people accomplish their goals. Be inspired by the stories you hear. Welcome to the hot sauce. Today, we are going to feature Jennifer Okima, who is my first Washingtonian that I'm having on the podcast. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified diabetes care and education specialist residing in Kirkland, Washington, a suburb of Seattle. All right, well, welcome back to the hot sauce today. Um, This is the first time that we're going to interview a Washingtonian, a fellow Washingtonian. She joined the uh, Washington State Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Board as I was stepping off. This is Jennifer Okuma, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to put her in the hot seat here. Uh, Well, welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for coming on today. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about your journey, how you got into the profession, where you went to school, internship, jobs, whatever you want to share. The floor is yours. Go. Thank you, Angel. I noticed the back of me, this this picture is crooked, but it really isn't crooked. There we go. I just don't want that to bother everybody. It's a little crooked. Okay. Uh, my name's Jennifer Okima. Um, I, uh, let's see, my journey. I started out in um, pre-med. I went to Washington State University, go Cougs, and um, did all of the pre-med stuff and um, took the all the MCAT, got into med school, and uh, ended up, uh, my husband and I at the time decided that we're not going to make it through together like this. <laughs> it was very stressful. Um, and we had decided that, well, let's have kids. And then, um, and then you know, I took a, a reprieve from school after the first year of med school, worked as a um, microbiology lab assistant and um, a microbiology lab instructor. Um, and had two kids and the plan was that I'll just pop out a couple kids and I'll just go back to med school. But after I had my two kids, I thought I don't want to leave these beautiful boys with somebody else. I actually want to be their mom and stay home and, and do the mom thing. And so when it was time for me to go back to school, because that was still always in the plan, um, my husband had just finished his medical residency and having him go through that and be gone basically for three years, I did not want to go through residency. I would today go back to med school uh, any day. I would just finish it up because I loved it, but I don't want to do the residency. So it's hard to practice that way. So I kind of had this, this period of time where I thought, what do I want to be when I grow up? And um, explored a lot of different fields, pharmacy, um, biochemistry. I love biochemistry. I use it every day in the field of nutrition, and I love to fall back on that. But I didn't see that there would be like a career impacting people. I'm a people person. I wanted to be around people. So I wanted to find a career that um, that was that I was not going to get bored in. And that becomes pretty important later on as I talk to you because um it's how I sort of chose my niche of where I was going to go. I just have this, I don't, there's probably some sort of a actual Latin term for it, but I just don't want to be bored. I just don't want to know everything and be bored and not know what to do after that. So uh, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine said, Jennifer, have you ever thought of doing nutrition? You love that kind of thing. And I was like, wow, that's a career. I can, I can, you know, make money at it. Well, yes, everyone, it is a career. Um, yes, you can make money at it, 
mostly. <laughs> There's revenue streams for that. So we do struggle in the in the salary um, area, but I think things are getting better. So I did. I went back, um, got my um, master's in nutrition. I went. I was in um, Oklahoma at the time. Went to University of Central Oklahoma and did my internship there and had two little boys at the same time and studied after they went to bed. Um, I remember uh, after putting them to bed, I would bring all my books to IHOP because it was the only restaurant that was open 24 hours a day. And I would just study, 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 get home and sleep for a few hours, get them off to school. And it was just this weird cycle, but I didn't care because my other option during that time of my life was that I was going to be in residency anyway. So it was all really relative. It was um, easy for me to do because I had been set up for such an intense um, lifestyle anyway. So I knew it was just a minimum of time. I could do it. I could do whatever. Um, and a couple of things, I, after finishing all that, I got intern of the year. And um, also I realized that when I study for an exam, for some reason, I need the smell of maple syrup. It helps my brain capacity. <laughs> and that was being at IHOP. I was like, oh, I can remember by the smell of maple syrup. <laughs> so, um, and then I didn't know uh, at that point we were going to move back to Washington and I wanted, to, I wasn't sure what route I was going to go in nutrition. I really love sports nutrition um, and I didn't love uh, clinical. There were some things that I, that I knew that I wanted to put time into. I did start working clinical at first for a while because I felt that I needed um uh, I, I just needed a firm foundation on knowing a little bit about everything until I was going to figure out what what do I want to do. So uh, one of the things I didn't want to do um, was diabetes. I felt that during school, during every aspect of health education, um, from my bachelor's degree all the way up to my master's, we were always had to talk about diabetes and. Um, I just didn't like it. It sounds very weird. I just thought that I, you know, we're going to see it. And that's one thing that I do teach um, other registered dietitians to be and interns is that you really are, you're not going to not see diabetes. You've got to know something about diabetes. But I thought I knew it. And then I had to write an essay on um, the entire pathophysiology of type 2 diabetes. And I saved that. It was one of my... Um, projects um, for it to get my master's degree. So I saved that to like one of the last minute things to do. And like the paper was due the next day because I just kept on procrastinating. <laughs> yeah. I wrote the paper and, and I struggled through the paper. I struggled through it, but I thought, I don't care. I'm just going to turn this in. And my professor called me um, a couple days ago and she said, Jennifer, I have never seen you turn in such a terrible project in my life. Because <laughs> I just... I don't know. I'm one of those people that just, I love to have good grades. So I, I try really hard. And she said, this is horrible. And it was, I knew I turned in a horrible product. Um, and so I thought about it and I had to go through that whole paper and I realized how much I didn't know. And that's what hooked me is how much I didn't know. Like uh, it, and then I became fascinated with it. I became absolutely fascinated with not knowing diabetes. To this day, I 
I do a lot of public speaking. I speak all over the country. I talk on a lot of different um, subjects like reimbursement for our, our services and nutrition topics to doctors, all sorts of things. But to this day, I will tell people, if you are working with somebody in the field of diabetes and if they say they're an expert, run away. None of us are experts. And that's what is intriguing. That's what I love about it is that it is forever humbling with the amount of information. It's forever humbling with the journeys of our patients who live with diabetes. It is, I mean, I just, I will never get bored in this field. So I went on and I got my dual specialty. So I'm um, certified in sports and um, what is it? The CSSD a certified, it just doesn't roll off your tongue very well. Certified sports specialist in dietetics <laughs> yep, yep, and a uh, certified diabetes care and education specialist. But I went beyond that and I got a very special, um, I think it's special. It's not well known. And I hope in the years to come, um, more dietitians get this other certification. It's called Board Certification of Advanced Diabetes Management, it's BCADM. Um, the BCADM is uh, probably one of the hardest exams I've ever taken. Um, it is a multidisciplinary exam. So pharmacists, nurses, doctors, um, healthcare professionals that have a master's degree and above can sit for this exam. Um, and I've had a couple of pharmacy friends who did not pass the test. They, they just thought it was going to be easy and it's not a, not an easy test to pass. But with that board certification in advanced diabetes management, it's the closest thing that the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics places as advanced practice. So it opened up my role a lot in what I could do, what, um, I was expected to do a lot of mentorship, um, a lot of ethics involved in that. Um, but I'm so happy that I got it. I have to explain it all the time, but I don't mind doing that. Um, but it's opened up um, uh, pathways and roles for speaking engagements and for level of care. What it didn't do, and another like sort of stumbling block um, of what I thought I could do and what I can't do, what it didn't do is open up my scope of practice the way it should, only because of our state um, the way Washington State has written the scope of practice for registered dietitians. So I abide by that. Um, all of us, no matter what state we're in, it always defaults to the state, um, uh, their description of what the scope of practice for a dietitian. So we're working to change that because <laughs> I don't like it. So I'm working with a group of uh, renegade dietitians. We don't really have a formal group, but we're all, uh, there's about five of us together and we all gathered up and we're helping our state academy um, rewrite the entire, um, the entire scope of practice for dietitians. So that's a fun project. Awesome. Awesome. That's a pretty, pretty, pretty cool story there. I'm just envisioning you in an IHOP. Did you have a tab running? They they were like, oh, she's a regular. Well, we now, were or? so broke. We were so broke. We, um, I think I actually, I think I always had coffee and I actually brought my own food. But every time the waitresses would walk by, I wouldn't let them see that I was eating my own food. And I would look on the menu to find like, what's the cheapest thing to like earn my real estate at that table for the next four or five hours. <laughs> 
But always a picture up there. That was another reason why I went there is because they always had like the carafe of coffee. The carafe of coffee. Yes. yes. The carafe yes. of coffee. Yes. yes. Oh my. Yes. Oh my. That's that's pretty that's pretty funny when you said that because I was like, I know the smell. Yes. Know, the smell of the hash browns oh, and everything. I suddenly remember the biochemical pathway of beta oxidation. <laughs> Somebody please give me the smell of maple syrup. That's pretty funny. Well, tell us like um, what, so your, um, what have your job prospects been like throughout the, throughout the years? Like what have you done after your internship? So after my internship, I was older than um, the other students, um, which I had a, I had a great experience and a great time. Um, one of the things that I sort of didn't enjoy was that when I got into um, the master's in nutrition program, they knew that I'd been in med school. And so there was sort of this assumption all the time. Oh, Jennifer, you have this. You don't have to do this. You don't. Have, and it drove me nuts because I didn't get the same experience that everybody else got. They assumed that um, that I knew things I didn't know, and it was it was I, I had to fill in those gaps myself, and I didn't enjoy being put into that position. Um, I rather would just be treated like a third grader, so I can learn everything as much as possible. So I use that concept in my field today. Um, it, in my field of diabetes, we do a lot of type one diabetes, a lot of every kind of diabetes actually. Um, but I've hired a couple of people on my team um, that are registered dietitians and, and other, um, other roles that actually have type one diabetes as well. So that experience that I had as an intern and as a master's student of assuming that, that I knew things that I didn't know, I do the same with them. I transfer that to them and say, just because you have type one diabetes, I do not expect you to know this and master it. Um, your, your diabetes is your end sample of one and that's not science. And I don't want to put you into that position. And I've gotten nothing but relief and gratitude on their end of it, because it's also one thing that we've done wrong in healthcare. And in our training is that if you have somebody with type one diabetes, they know what they're doing. They're fine. They, they know it better than anybody else. And we've all been taught that. And I realized that that's not true. That's actually not true. They're coming to us for help. They're coming to us because everybody in healthcare assumes they already know their diabetes. So that's actually been a really nice correlation that I've used from my early training to what I do now that I still keep in there. So the other thing that I did is when I got out, because I had two little kids, I decided that I was going to define my own jobs, that I was going to, um, that I knew that I had enough confidence in myself to know that I could take on any job I wanted to. Um, I was also lucky that I, I didn't actually have to work. Um, I mean, I don't understand that concept because I come from a very large, poor family and I know I'm been working so I had a paper out at 12 and babysitting I've never not worked so so that that was never uh, an option like I don't have to work so I shouldn't work it like no I'm definitely um, love to work and, and even now like the concept of retirement freaks me out because I'm like I don't understand I really truly don't understand what it means to not work <laughs> I love what I do so it's not work so when I was looking for positions, then I decided that I would create positions that allowed me to um, be home when my kids got home from school. 
And I've always been able to do that. I haven't, I've always been able to create the positions. I haven't always been able to abide by it because I stay at work longer than I need to or whatever. But, um, but I would approach um, different organizations, different hospitals that did not have diabetes programs. And I've done it three times. Um, I approached them. They didn't have one. I build the program. I get their program um, nationally accredited. I've gotten programs accredited. There's three pathways to get a program diabetes credit accredited nationally. There's only two now, but there used to be three. Um, one is through the ADA, American Diabetes Association. One is through the um, what used to be called AADE. It's the um, the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialist, ADCES now. And the third one was um, in Indian Health Service, IHS. So I've gone through that pathway with tribes and the other two pathways for other organizations. And I get them nationally accredited, um, but I get to work within the hours that I want to. And I've always just designed um, designed uh, positions. And I think as a, as a, if you're a new dietitian, if you are in the field for, if you've been in the field for a while and you're thinking about what you should do, there's nothing wrong with walking down that path of asking yourself, what if I created this myself? What if I decided, well, here's what I want to do. How do I get there? Because more often than not, you can do it. You can get there. And that's one of the amazing things about our field. There's so many different things that we can do and avenues that we can take and interests that we can follow. We, we can make our field and our positions what we want. We can do that. There's, there's no reason why we can't unless we say that we can't. That's, that's something that will hold us back. But to be able to say, I can do this and doesn't mean it's easy. You know, if, if you want a nine to five that, you know, you can roll into work every day and do the same thing over and over, that works for people. That's great. I wish I could be that person. <laughs> my next life, my next life, I'm going to be that person and I'm going to know how to sing with an actual singing voice. That would be my next life. Should I ever like it? I like it. I like it. I like it. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, can you, I, I guess, would you elaborate on um, what your what your current, uh, I guess, private practices? What? Yeah. Um, tell us about that. So when um, when I started these diabetes programs, um, I. Um, I, I got the programs to accreditation, but what was happening and what's still happening today is that diabetes education programs are not um, making money. They don't make money. They tend to be programs affiliated with hospitals and communities that are funded by foundations and by, um, I know one organization that I worked for, the surgical department was the one that was making money. And so they would, you know, funnel money into our bucket with the hospital because they felt ethically that it was the right program to have and there was a lot of a lot of good going on but um, there they don't tend to make money and so I started asking questions and this is where I get in trouble and this is where the story goes off track a little bit <laughs> I start asking questions like hey hospital administration what's going on with my budget and a couple of things um, came out of that that were not unique to the area. Um, one was that um, at that time, this is not 
not currently a requirement, but at that time you had to have an RN on, on um, staff and an RD. You had to have both. So it was great because the registered dietitian was being elevated to um, being required for a diabetes program. I like that. What was different was that I ran the program, I was a program coordinator, and my RN partner, who is a dear friend of mine, I adore the heck out of her, um, she was making $15 an hour more than me. So that was weird. I have a master's degree, she has a bachelor's degree, I run the program, she comes in and sees patients and teaches the group classes and she was making $15 an hour or more. Her and I didn't know that. We found that out, she was appalled, couldn't believe it, and um, we went to the hospital administration and they said, well, Jennifer, she's a nurse. And I said, I know, <laughs> I'm a dietitian. can we move on? And they said, no, she's a nurse, so she she makes more than you. And of course, there's nursing unions and things like that. So I thought I um, pulled up all sorts of um, documentation of the um, the salaries of diabetes educators in our field, um, represented them with pie charts and graphs and um, confetti and everything that I could possibly bring into that meeting. I ended up getting a, um, an increase in my salary, so speak out everybody speak out and and also know your numbers so that helped me out i still didn't get up to the point that she was at she felt she was making too much so she actually took a decrease in salary so that was the first thing the second thing was that um, i had asked for some materials for our program and they said well jennifer you you guys aren't making any money and we were we were working like crazy we had plenty of, re of um, referral streams always busy. We were booked out two to three weeks in advance and I couldn't understand what do you, we were so busy. What do you mean we're not making money? So I went to the billing department and this is where I started to ask these questions. And I said, can I please have a report in my, in my nice sunshine, happy voice? Can I please have a report for, um, you know, a year to date, blah, 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 blah. They said, absolutely. Um, and by the way, if you work in any type of a program and you work for an organization and you run a department or are in any kind of leadership role, you get to ask the billing department for reports. They're happy to do it. They love running reports. They don't know what they mean, but they love the reports. Then I started finding the problems. I, the billing department said that you are not producing revenue because every time you get a referral from a doctor, we're assigning the revenue to them. And I said, how, why, <laughs> what do you mean? And they said, well, Jennifer, you're, you're a dietitian. You're not a doctor, so you can't bill for services. And I said, that's cute. Um, I have an NPI and I can bill for services and here are my billing codes. And they were like blown away. You can bill for services, you can do this? And I said, absolutely. So I had to educate the billing department on a registered dietitian, on the fact that we have NPIs, on the fact that we have billing codes that we can specifically use. And then I started tracking codes, started figuring out what was going on with the codes, what was the reimbursement. Um, I also realized we never learned this in school. We don't really talk about reimbursement codes in school. It's not fun. It's like going through tax codes. So <laughs> it's not that I wanted to learn it, but I had to learn it. And it was um, it was my voice in saying, our program is doing well, our program is making money. Um, and it brought 
validity to what it was that we were doing. I left that organization and then joined another one who didn't have a diabetes program. It was one of the endocrinologists actually that kept referring to us. And he, um, he said he's, uh, he was actually from Oklahoma as well, but he would say, Jen, when are you going to come and join me? And I said, I don't know yet, doctor. You know, I'm not sure yet. And then there was a time when I was like, okay, I'm ready to come and join you. So I met up with him and um, he said, well, how much do I need to pay you? And I gave him this very large amount per hour. It wasn't like a salary, it was just per hour. And he said, I, I can't afford that. And I said, yes, you can. You can afford it because I know your billing codes and I know how much I bring in. And he said, yeah, but you know, I, I don't know. That seems like an awful lot. And I said, it's not, I know exactly what comes in. And I said, how about this? How about I run the diabetes program? I, I'm the director of the program and I run the program and I have 100% um, uh, control over the budget and you don't have to worry about it at all. So I will work in your office. I'll have a side office and you don't have to pay me, but the budget will pay me. And he said, that, that doesn't seem like it's fair to you. And I said, it's, it's going to be fair to me. It's okay. <laughs> We're okay. So I said, all right. So I brought my, my nurse friend over from the other program and she joined me. I actually offered her partnership and she didn't want it at the time. Um, and I, we started seeing patients, started tracking billing. And once again, the billing department, I had to go into the billing department and they said, you can't bill, you're not a doctor. And I said, I can bill. I'm a registered dietitian. I have an NPI. Um, if anybody is listening to this and has been on any of our little Facebook groups, I forgot, I'm on a couple of them, so I don't know which one I posted this on, but um, you really need an NPI. It doesn't matter if you're if you think you're never going to use it. If you go on to the um, the CMS NPPES.gov, I think something like that, look for um, NPI stands for National Provider Identifier, and it is a number that is assigned to you much like your Social Security number. It stays with you for your entire professional career, um, it, and it's used for billing, but if you don't think that you need it, um, you, you may need it at some point. But it's even bigger than that because the more registered dietitians that that file for their NPI, it brings strength in our numbers when we are trying to make changes in billing practices and in our scope of practice, our importance of what we do. When If we have large numbers of people with NPIs, then um, insurance companies and CMS and policy um, national policy, state policy that starts to look at, well, how many registered dietitians are there and how, you know, what are their billing codes? Um, it doesn't hurt to get one. And if you never use it, it helps all of us. So get your NPI. It's not very hard to do. Um, anyway, there's my soapbox for that because appreciate I that plug. Yes. believe yes. that people don't have one. It just, right. it's like the, like, what do you mean? So I went on to one of these Facebook pages and I said, just out of curiosity, how many people don't have NPIs here? And the comments back was like, well, I don't need it. I, you know, I do, I don't do anything in this. And I'm like, if you have an RD credential, get your NPI. <laughs> it's very easy. So with that, um, I had been tracking billing codes, tracking our revenue, tracking everything that's going on. And the first year or two, we took a loss, um, which I knew we would. I knew the risk I was taking. Um, I'm not adverse to risk. I know that. Um, most of the time, 
um, I succeed with that. Not always. I've made some mistakes, but um, anytime there's a mistake, you can catapult forward. You learn forward and you move forward faster. So um, you just have to suck it up and go, yeah, okay, that was a mistake. But we ended up being um, an incredible program. I ended up hiring nine registered dietitians. We had six locations and um, definitely was, was doing well. And that organization allowed me to flex my muscles a little bit on learning that um, this whole umbrella of billing codes is um, what it is that we can and can't do. Um, enough to where I felt like, okay, now I can do this on my own. So I left that organization. I now have a private practice. It's Salute Nutrition. It can be pronounced Salute, which is Italian for cheers, or Salute, which means to your health, or you can just say Salute, and it still means it's a good thing so, <laughs> to honor somebody. Um, here's my uh, Salute Nutrition. So I opened that up, and um, I hire dietitians, um, and I hire dietitians at many different levels and for different things. I actually have a nurse practitioner on my team and a, and a nurse. And, but the dietitians that I have two sort of role, three actually, three roles for dietitians. One is I have a general practice dietitian who can see um, whatever it is when I hire somebody, I say, what's your niche? What do you, what do you enjoy doing? And they get to build on that any way they want. Um, I can provide mentorship through, I, we don't do eating disorders, so I can't provide mentorship through that. So I send those to my dietitian specialist friends of mine that I know are really good at eating disorders. You have to know what you're good at and what you, what other people are even better at because it's for the care of that patient. I'll never pretend I could do eating disorders. So that's not part of our, our group, but I hire, so a general practice dietitian. Um, I hire dietitians who want to be certified diabetes care and education specialists because one of the hardest things about that credential is getting the proper um, hours that are required to sit for the exam. So I've always been a, um, a that we used to be called CDE certified diabetes educators, but so I've always been a CDE generating mill just so that dietitians could get that certification. And then also we have our advanced practice registered dietitians who um, operate at the highest level in the country on diabetes. We do every, we, in fact, we, in the state of Washington, we can see anyone in the state. So um, we take all insurance plans, we can see anybody, but we also see people nationwide because we have other avenues of, of allowing people into our, um, into our organization for patient care. But I have uh, diabetes educators all over the country that work for me and um, we are uh, incredibly well-versed at any product that has been FDA approved for diabetes um, technology. That is our like do 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 our Uber niche of what we do. So I'm currently working with a company who has an insulin pump coming out um, on, uh, it hasn't been FDA approved yet, but I'm already all over it. And um, I work with these companies as consultants and as speakers. And I also work with pharmaceutical companies on advisory boards. And oftentimes I'm the only RD on these advisory boards. And it's an honor um, to be in that position uh, because I'm always educating healthcare providers on what it is that registered dietitians and nutritionists do.
and they're, they, they leave like these advisory board meetings are usually like two day meetings in some city somewhere. Um, and they leave that, those meetings saying, I had no idea that you guys had the scope of practice and that you guys could do this. So it always feels good to, to, uh, represent registered dietitians. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. That is, uh, that's pretty, pretty well. Can I ask, did that doctor, what, what, what was the ending with the doctor? Did he feel like he should have paid you what you said or how did that end? Yeah, up? he, um, he did. He, he, we ended up, um, we ended up having dietitians in endocrinology, but then we moved some of them into primary care and the primary care doctors said, you know, we don't, we can't pay you. Um, and we said, we're not asking for you to pay us. We're, 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 we don't need, we don't need you to pay us. We're, we're already, um, we just bill separately. We don't bill incident to all of our services are separate and almost every primary care I actually use this as a model in my private practice now. Um, but almost every primary care doctor said, well, okay, we'll, you know, we'll send you a patient or two. And when those patients came back to their doctor and said, why didn't you send me to them before? They explained everything on not, and this is, this is our role as dietitians, but specifically in my company is we don't tell you what to do. We teach you how to do something. And we, and we build that within your lifestyle, not within a textbook lifestyle or a checklist type of thing. We get to know our patients. We get to know their family lives. We get to know their access to food and we create a, a way of them navigating their, their life nutritionally for better outcomes based on what they have available and based on solid information, doable, solid information. So our, our tagline is that we have guided coaching for better health, for, for better health. So that allows us to coach them through it and not come from this level of you can't eat that and you can't eat that and you have to eat this. So the primary care doctors um, at the at the highest crux of what we had, they were so dependent on us. They were so happy that we were there that when I left that organization, the rest, I think, of the nine, there's only one still there. Everybody else left. Um, But the primary care doctors still refer to my company because the value that we brought. Um, And and I, I. love that. I love that they realize that, you know, we are the nutrition professionals that can, we're, that can help with these lifestyle things and, um, insurance covers our services. You know, that was another thing that I had to explain is that insurance covers our services. If for some reason insurance doesn't cover our services, we have, um, processes in place we have, uh, cash pay. We also have on um, payment plans. Um, so we have accessibility. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And I appreciate all of your efforts. That's pretty cool to see a dietitian represented in different, you know, capacities. And it just shows the the skills that we all have. So, so thank you for that. All right. So next question for you. So if you could do it all over again in your career. Wow. I knew this one was coming. Yes. What would you change and what would you keep the same? And you can give, I, I think it's, you know, like I said, I've, I've asked this question. You can say you don't change anything. You could say change a lot, whatever. I think one question I've gotten um, throughout my professional career is, do you regret not going to medical school, not finishing? And I never have. I've never once regretted that. I've, I 
realize that, you know, that uh, yes, I can make more money. I can whatever, but it's never been a thought where I wish that I would have done that. I would love to go back to school. I love school. So even today I would go back and I, I mean, I would take classes and I've, I've got this, um, this absolute fascination in food anthropology and where food indigenously comes from and trade routes. And I bore the heck out of my family on stuff like this because we'll be eating something and I'll say, did you know? And they're like, Oh mom, please stop doing that. <laughs> but it's fascinating to me of how yeah. trade routes and uh, in, you know, hundreds of years ago are reflective in why there's potatoes in Russia today, why we have vodka, why the potato famine happened in, in Ireland, um, why there's tomatoes in Italy. There were never tomatoes in Italy. In fact, Italy, they were banned from using tomatoes because when the trade routes brought them over, it started killing a bunch of people because they cooked them in lead pots. So the lead was killing people, not the tomatoes. And just all these like weird things. I, I, I just love food anthropology. So I'd probably go back to school for that. But would I change anything? I actually don't think I would. I think you can pick apart your career and I could say, well, I wish I didn't make this mistake and that, but I don't even think that. I think that everything I've done, I've learned from, I've embraced. It hasn't always been easy. Um, I mean, this navigating billing codes has been excruciating because there's no support for it. Um, I've recently um, worked with the Academy or the, um, the um, Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. They had me on a project for reimbursement codes and they called me off the project because I know too much for the billing. They were like, no, we're not there yet. We only, we're only right in here and we can't jump forward. And it was really frustrating for me because I want to bring our profession forward. And they said, nope, we, we only know this stuff right now and we just need to keep, keep inside the box, which was kind of disappointing. Um, but I want to keep pushing those boundaries. I want to push the boundaries with the state of Washington in our role as, you know, our scope of practice. I um, want to let, and we actually, with the Department of Health, um, we sat in with the um, our academy. Um, this is when I became um, a board member of the academy because I thought you can't keep complaining about stuff and not do anything about it. You've got to be a part of the solution. Um, and so when the academy was going to these meetings, we realized that they didn't know what we did. They didn't know the role, especially in diabetes care. But then we learned like the dietitians that were placing NG tubes, the dietitians that were doing all sorts of other things. We need this reflective in our scope of practice. We are capable and qualified to do it. But our scope of practice was written uh, the last uh, iteration of it was like in the eighties or something like that. It looks like it was in the fifties, but, um, so I just want to keep on moving forward and pushing through that. And when I have to take a step back, it's frustrating, like, like not being able to help out my national organization, but, but I just, just keep swimming, keep moving forward. So I don't really think I would do anything different. Okay. I have a great life. That. That's, that's good. I, I think that's a good way. No, I think that's a good way. There's always maybe something you could do different. I think the, the billing exercise has probably, while it was probably painful along the way, has taught you perseverance and a lot of skills. And, yeah. and the more your, your information gathering, you're seeking, you know, you're getting all this information and that makes you a wheelhouse of expertise. So that's awesome. No, that's, well, that's I good. think one thing that happens is, um, when you start asking questions, it's like, it's like, 
it's like being on a beach or, or being somewhere and you turn over, start, start turning over rocks. When you start turning over rocks, you start finding that there's a lot more that you need to learn. There's a lot more that you need to know. And I feel like I need to know it in a way that I can hold a conversation. I don't have to know everything. Same thing in diabetes care. I don't have to know everything. We do, we do incredible diabetes care. We know our stuff well, but we don't know everything. And I love that. But when I start asking about reimbursement, I don't know everything. I've made mistakes. I've submitted claims that never went through. I've lost money. Um, but keep on asking questions, keep on whatever it is, whatever your niche is, whatever it is, don't stop asking questions. It's, it's, it's a good, healthy way of taking information, assessing information and figuring out what you want to do with it. Okay. Awesome. Next question for you. What does the future hold for you? Well, I travel a lot. I love to travel. Um, I have a um, condition known as, it's actually um, not a real condition. I made it up and I have a couple of um, people over my travels that say, I suffer from that too. And I call it RSS, um, restless soul syndrome. I'm always like wanting to go somewhere. And as soon as I'm landing, I'm figuring out where I'm going to go next. Um, I love to travel. I would love to be paid to travel. as a dietitian, um, with whatever, whatever role that is, I would love to, um, uh, I would love to get my company to the point where, um, my, all of the dietitians, we have three physical locations and we've actually been doing telehealth since 2018. So I like to say we've been doing telehealth since before it was cool. Um, because I know the billing codes and we've always been covered under telehealth billing codes that people didn't know about. So, um, so I travel a lot. I, um, I flip back and forth between the coasts um, and I would like to do more of that. And I would like to kind of step back more of patient care and take care of my, um, my team. Um, one of the things that means the world to me is that anyone who works for me, their health comes first. Their I don't want, if I hire somebody and they say that they want to work full time for me, I'm, I'm immediately afraid because this is a grueling, very, very challenging field. Um, and it will exhaust you and I don't want to burn them out. So I say, well, you know, you've got to take care of yourself. I don't want to burn you out. Um, it's not that important. I, and our practice is built in a way that if you need to take time off, you never have to ask me for vacation. You can take time off anytime you want. Um, and patients understand that they respect that they, if, if you, um, if you aren't a good healthcare provider, you're not going to provide good healthcare if you just need to have some of that, that self-care. So that that's given me longevity in our staff. And so I want to be able to, um, work less in patient care because I tend to burn the candle at both ends and, and hold my own pretty well, but I don't want to do that forever. Um, and then that way I can balance the program a little bit better. I would love to copy this model and move it on uh, a similar model to another state. I don't know which state, but um, I would love to duplicate this model because it works and it's fantastic and it provides inc- incredible care for people with diabetes. So, and, and maybe to do that from a villa in Italy. I mean, I wouldn't hate that at all. That would, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> That sounds pretty sweet. 
<laughs> I always operate on the time zone I need to operate on. So I, I, my staff or whoever, um, they're like, Jennifer, they'll, I'll, they'll text me and say, Jennifer, what, where are you at? And I said, I'm right here with you. You know, <laughs> I'm on the time zone that you're on the location and the like coordinates. It. Uh, I was on our sailboat in Florida last week and, um, and I work, I still work. There's no such thing as not working. Um, uh, but still I make those choices and get to do those kind of things. So a villa in Tuscany is completely, completely doable. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. That sounds like a good plan. Well, I could chat with you all day. I, I'll invite you. Angel. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally down. I'm totally down to go. <laughs> you'll say, you'll say, um, cause it's, I'm, I'm targeting doing that in three years. I actually am going to rent a villa for a year and, um, just, and then just travel all over, but use that as one address. And I'm, I'm telling all my friends. So all of my friends here on, <laughs> on this podcast, you're all invited. <laughs> But Angel, you'll say you'll come to me and you'll say, "Yeah, we're doing podcasts um, in person now, so I'm going to have to come to Italy, right?" Yeah, well, we'll do a follow-up <laughs> episode. I'll go to Italy. Sounds good. I'm down for it. <laughs> well, I could chat. I could chat with you all day, but I want to respect your time. So, thank you very much for all your answers. Thank you. The final question for you is: Any words of wisdom for the next generation of dietitians coming through? What would you say? I would say that um, that with our field, because we have such a breadth of what it is that we can do, and because um, we realize at some point that everybody who eats thinks they're a nutritionist, we have a, a difficult challenge of uh, um, letting people know specifically what it is that we do. And but I think what we need to um, understand is that we are nutrition professionals. We are trained um, on a medical model of medical nutrition therapy. We uh, we have extensive training, um, but I would say um, form allies with other dietitians. Don't work against other dietitians. We are not in competition of each other at all. Even if somebody is in your similar niche or doing whatever, there's strength in numbers of us encouraging each other to continue to work together. That That is one thing that I would say would be one of the most important things. When I see dietitians out there fractioning out and um, maybe in a silo, they, they choose to be in a silo themselves, or if they're talking um, in a way about another dietitian, that's not helpful to any of us. So any way that we can stay together and encourage each other, you don't have to know everything you don't have to that's the whole the whole lovely journey of being a, a registered dietitian nutritionist is that you always get to learn and there's nothing wrong with saying you know what i'm not sure i don't know that let me check that for you instead of giving poor information diabetes is is one of those things that general practice dietitians think they are managing diabetes and they really aren't are the level of what we do is uh, it blows them away they're like I had no idea you guys do this so when you have somebody with diabetes help that patient out um, first of all don't call them diabetics because that will really that will really eke us they're human beings um, you don't call any other patient their disease it's the weirdest thing we don't call people with cancer canceretics but we call people with diabetes diabetics. So stop doing that. But if you're out of your comfort zone, refer on to somebody else. I refer on to other dietitians, help other dietitians out. Um, and 
and know that there is that strength. If you need help from another dietitian, um, contact them and say, hey, you know, I'm not really, I'm, I'm really interested in um, functional medicine or I'm interested in um, lactation or whatever it is. I think that we're more apt to help each other than anything else. You just have to ask. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, um, Angel. Before we end this video, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor. It's me. Your greatest gift if you are watching this on YouTube is to like, comment, subscribe, ring the notification bell, and share this content. If you are listening on a podcast platform, please share away. And of course, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can go to buy me a coffee and share a beverage my way. And if you want to purchase one for the guests that I just interviewed, send it my way and I will get it to that individual. Thank you very much for watching and have a great rest of your day.